Fresh water. It's great to be here with you. I want to invite you. Uh, you've been worshiping. I want you to continue in worship. And just in the next couple of minutes, uh, you can either close your eyes or just sit there. I'm going to invite you to just take a deep breath and let whatever has come with you today go. And posture yourself in a position of receiving because God's at work today and he's doing something in you in spite of tech problems. He's doing something in me. So I'm going to be quiet for just a second and I want you to just say, Lord, whatever you have for me today. Thank you, Jesus, that you have brought us here in the middle of a busy life, in the middle of, at the end, or maybe the beginning of a busy week. And we come to hear from you, not from Dan Scarrow, because he's just not that smart. We love that you're doing something, and that by coming here this morning, we are saying, Lord, we need something from you. So whatever that something is, we stand here with open hands and ask you to pour yourself into us through the word, through the conversations we're going to have, through the great worship we've just had, all of that, Lord. Thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you for being here today. You have made a commitment to come out on a Sunday morning, and uh, that indicates one of two things. Either you're following Jesus, and you are here because you love him, and you love this environment, or you're here because you're curious about Jesus, and you might have not make and made the step in your life to embrace religion of any sort. And if that's why you're here, I'm delighted you're here this morning. Because this is the best place to explore who Jesus is. This is the best place to explore what faith looks like. And so to all of you, uh, a, a great big welcome. Thank you for being here. It's a delight for me to be here this morning. Uh, I, my schedule as of late, uh, in recent years actually, has forced me to limit the number of times that I come and speak uh, in an environment like this, especially fresh water. Uh, because I'm often not here, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. It's not because I'm heathen, although, yes, I probably am heathen. Uh, but uh, it is a privilege for me to be here today, and especially to be standing in front of you. Lisa and I, my wife, uh, sitting over there, and our kids consider this our church home, and uh, it's a, just fun to be with you when we can. Uh, for those of you who have no grid for who I am and who this strange person is standing in front of you today, uh, that's okay. Again, I'm not here that often. And my name is Dan Scarrow, and I serve as the Director of Leadership Development for the Central District, of which Freshwater Community Church is one of the churches that I get to travel around and visit. There's about 90 churches that are part of the Central District. There's about there's more than 2,000 churches in the United States that are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and there's uh, many more thousands beyond that around the world that you're a part of. 
And so uh, I get to travel around. There's uh, 90 churches, as I said, about 140 team members. And my role is to help them succeed. And so I travel often on Sundays, and you won't see me here. Sometimes you'll see my family here without me. That's not because I'm sleeping in. That's uh, I'm someplace else. And uh, so like I said, it's just fun to be here with you. I love what I do. I love helping people succeed. That is, that is the reason I exist, to help people find that next step, that next level in their faith, in their work, in their marriage, whatever it happens to be. And that's what God's created me to be. I love the idea that God has each of us on a path. Sometimes the path is a little rocky. Sometimes it's not a path we enjoy, but all of us are on this path. And it started way back when we were born, and it's been going along. And some of us are a little farther down the path. Some of you all are like over here. Some of you over here. Okay, I won't go any further, so I don't offend anybody. Some of you are pretty young. You're down here. The journey's just started. But isn't it fun that we're all on a journey together? That God has us on a path that we're growing and learning and developing. And so today as I come to be with you, that's what I'm most excited about. That's what I've been praying about. That God's at work in you. He's been doing something in you. And you just stopped here along the path to see what else he has for you today. And I hope he does have something for you today as we talk together. I love growth. In fact, uh, you, some of you who know me know that I'm a little fanatical about that. And uh, for, some, for some, that means uh, I'm your favorite person because I ask a lot of questions about growing. For some of you, that I'm like your n worst nightmare as a friend because I'm really intense. I have a, a small margin for not moving. I have a really small margin for mediocrity. And uh, so... Whatever that, I'm just warning you. If we're going to be friends, throw that out there. So this morning as I come, I come with that passion bubbling up inside of me for you. That we're all on this pathway, and as part of my journey, I have been on an exploration journey that I'm just going to invite you into this morning. I'll, I'll just fess up. My journey's a little messy. Is yours? Okay, thank you. I'm in, I feel comfortable now with this group. Because if you had it all together, I wouldn't fit. I'm on this messy journey of exploring faith, leadership, life, parenting. I'm trying to figure all that stuff out. And in that process of trying to figure these things out... I'm on this journey of pursuing what it means to live an excellent life, to live, to steward a life that takes whatever God has given me and does the absolute best I can with it. That's my journey. I'm, I'm going to guess that some of you feel the same way. You dream of a life that is lived out with, with exceptional impact, or at least some impact, right? So... My pattern and my journey is that I often spend extended periods of time gnawing on a certain piece of thought, whether it be spiritual or I read a ridiculous amount of books in any given year. But throughout any given year, I'm spending time thinking about one thing. I'm weird that way. 
So over the last 10 months, I've been exploring what stewardship looks like. What does it look like to steward my life for excellence and impact? And I've been digging into this in a passage of Scripture for the last 10 months, and that Scripture passage is found in Matthew 25, and we're going to use that as a launching pad to go where we're going to go today. So my pattern of engaging the Word of God is going to be maybe a little different than yours. Some of you have a reading plan that you read every uh, day. Some of you, you know, twice a week, three times a week, once a week, once a month. I don't know what your reading plan is uh, if you're engaged with the Scriptures, but my reading plan's a little odd. I pick a passage and I stay with it for a long time until I have just pulled everything out of it I can pull out of it. So this journey for me has been 10 months in the same passage. I've read Matthew 25 more than 500 times. Now you would say, doesn't that get boring? Actually, it's fascinating. And I can't give you all the information that I've gotten in the last 10 months because then you would be bored. But I do want to dig down into some of the discoveries that I've made. I want to invite you into my messy journey in Matthew 25, and I want to pull out some thoughts for you today. Matthew 25 is a, a place in Scripture where Jesus is coming to the end of his journey, and it's documenting that journey. He's been walking with his disciples. He's coming up to the time when he's going to be crucified. And we find Matthew 25 kind of right before that where he's teaching his followers some kind of last key things. You know, guys, take notes. This is the last few things I'm going to say to you. And in that process, he's talking about something called the end times. So in Scripture, it talks about when, when the end of the age comes and Jesus returns, uh, which is the hope of the church, and he's expressing to them how that's going to happen. So he tells stories. I love Jesus because he was simple. He told stories that even, you know, nut jobs like me can understand. And uh, he told a couple of great stories in Matthew 25, but the one I've spent the most time with is found towards the end of the chapter, and it's a story about three guys whose boss pulled them in one day and said, hey guys, I, I've got to take off and I've got, a, I've got a trip to India. I don't know where he was going. That's not in scripture, so don't look for it. Uh, and I'm going to give you part of the company, and I want you to steward this part of the company and do whatever great employees do and make it bigger than when I left it, right? So he pulls him in. He gives one guy a big part of the company, and he's pretty happy with that, and pulls the other guy in and gives him another part of the company and says, here you go, and that was a substantial part of the company. And uh, then he pulls the last guy in and gives him another piece, which was smaller than the other two, but, I mean, still a big deal. Uh, and he said, hey, I want you guys to take care of this. So remember, Jesus is telling the story. He's saying the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells a story about three guys who are given something to steward. Like you and I. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what part of your journey you're in. You have things that have been put in your hand to steward. Some of them are physical things, cars, houses. Some of them are relational things like people. Some of them are employment things, stuff you do at your job. All of us have stewardship. Some of our stewardship is really big, and some of us steward things that are a little bit smaller, but no less important. So the story is germane. It's relevant to all of us. 
The, the part of this story that really interests me and the part I really want to talk about this morning is the third individual. Because this individual responded differently than the other two guys in this story. And so if you read on in the story, it comes to this place where the boss comes back and he calls the guys in and says, hey, what have you done with the part of my riches that I gave you? And the first guy comes in, he's very, very proud. Hey, I worked hard, I doubled it. Good job, well done. Pat on the back. If I recall the story, he got more stuff, more responsibility. Second guy comes in, same story. He, he worked hard. He went after it. He doubled it. Good job. Well done. The third guy comes in, and this is his response. Then the servant slash employee with uh, one bag of gold or the talent, it was a substantial amount of money, said, Sir, I knew you are a hard man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Here's the words I want you to pay attention to. I was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth, and here it is. So all of us have been given stewardship. Every single one of us have something in our hand this morning that God has asked us to manage, take care of, people that we've been called to invest in. And what I find so intriguing about this response was not that he failed, but why? Why did somebody who had been given substantial stewardship decide to dig a hole in the ground and bury it? Why did somebody who was on this journey decide to sit down and go no further? That's the part that intrigues me. So what causes stewardship failure? This is so important because there are some of us here today that in your life, and it might be just one small area, it might be a large area, it might be several areas, there might be a spot in your life where you've decided to just sit down. It's too hard. I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. I'm afraid. My past I just can't get past my past and I can't go any further. School's coming for some kids in the room. Sorry that I reminded you of that. Some of you might have a knot in your stomach about, man, I don't know if I can face junior high or high school or my friends or my enemies or my frenemies. I don't know which one of those they are. And I just want to sit down. I want to stop right here because I'm scared. So that's why this topic is so valuable this morning because there are places in your life and mine that if we sit down, it changes the course of our life. 
There are relationships that if we stop investing in, it changes the course of our journey. If we give up on our marriage, if we give up on our children, if we give up at work. So the question is extremely important this morning. Why do people stop, sit down, and give up? The best word I can use to describe the reason, and we're going to talk about the details of this, but the reason many of us give up, whether it's outside, people can see it, or it's inside our spirit and nobody knows, it could be big things, it could be small things, the reason many of us give up is because we're overwhelmed. Our hearts get so filled with fear or anger or discontent that we just sit down. And the most tragic case of that happening is when nobody knows, but it happens inside your spirit and it changes the course of your life forever. I describe overwhelm as this. If you're a note taker, overwhelm is best described as insufficient emotional, mental, physical, or spiritual energy to manage the challenges and responsibilities of your life. Let me say that again. Overwhelm can best be described as insufficient emotional, mental, physical, or spiritual energy to manage the responsibilities and challenges of your life. So some of you think I have a drinking problem, and that's why this is up here. It's uh, not. It is filled with water. It was filled with French lemonade. Was it good, Caleb? Excellent. I want you to just picture this. This is the energy that God gives you in any given day. Now, yours might be this size, and others of you have this size, and we're not going to talk about that today. Let's just picture this. All of you have a certain amount of energy every time you wake up in the morning that you can pour out in some place in your life. That's influence. That's impact. All of us have this. But some of us get to the end of our day or the end of our week or the end of our month and we end up with nothing left in the bottle. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and there's nothing left. It's Wednesday in the week and there's nothing left. It's the fifth year of our marriage and there's nothing left. That's overwhelm. That's when there's insufficient energy to manage the responsibilities and the challenges of my life. So Webster defines it, overwhelm, a different way. He, he, she, whoever Webster is, that ethereal person named Webster, defines overwhelm as being buried or drowning beneath a huge mass. So that's, that's like the extreme of overwhelm. Overwhelm is experienced on a sliding scale from mild stress to buried or drowning, right? So here's the question I have for you. Is there a part of your life that you're either stressed in or overwhelmed by where you're getting ready to give up? Is there a part of your life that has created so much tension for you that either on the inside or the outside, you've, you've already sat down. You are done. 
You've given up on some relationship. You've given up on some future. You've given up on some task. I don't know what it is. But the reason we need to talk about it is because if you've sat down, if you've been that third guy, it has changed the course of your life and it will continue to change the course of your life. So, where are you overwhelmed? Maybe you would say stressed. So let's take the next few minutes to talk about Okay, so if I feel that way, how do I manage that? What do I do? I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few years. I get to coach leaders all over the country, uh, Canada, Europe. Um, I spend a lot of time talking about these types of things with a lot of different people. And I see overwhelm everywhere I go. Men and women, children, spouses, everywhere. So first, I want to say something to you that's going to offend some of you, and so brace yourselves. You ready for offense? Um, I, I will apologize later if this offends you, but it needs to be said. Whatever the situation in your life, if you remain overwhelmed more than a day, it's because you've chosen to be overwhelmed. Now, some of you are like, whoa, whoa, Dan, you don't, you don't understand. You don't understand the people I have to live with. You don't understand my spouse. You don't understand work. That is totally true. I don't understand. However, extended overwhelm is always a choice. Now, you're going to have to chew on that one, and some of you are going to disagree. Now, the only exception I would say to this is to those of us in the room that may struggle with chemical, hormonal imbalance issues that impact the way we think, uh, I, that's a whole separate category, and I don't want to offend any of you that are in that category that wrestle with that kind of thing. So just hear me say, there are physical and physiological things that impact our overwhelm that sometimes are beyond our control, okay? So I'll throw that out there. Here's the other thing I'd like to say about the issue of overwhelm, and that is that some overwhelm happens because we are responsible for it. All right? I don't want to let anybody off the hook this morning. If you're facing some overwhelm because you've procrastinated, because you have managed your time poorly, you've managed your energy poorly, uh, and then you're reaping some of what you've sown. Here, I'm a pretty blunt dude, so hey, let's throw it out there. Sometimes our overwhelm is a function of our foolish decisions. Right? So I've been in an extended... Uh, study process over the last four years towards a degree, and uh, I've come to the end of it, thank you, Jesus, and I had my last paper due two weeks ago today. Now, I've known about this paper for a really long time, and uh, I've had a syllabus, and in a doctoral program, they tell you ahead of time, and uh, two weeks out, I was thinking, I'm good, I can handle this, and I'm, I'm going to do this. And then two weeks minus a day, I thought, man, I'm going to do this. And two weeks minus two days, I thought, ah, yeah, I'm going to dig in. I'm really going to get this done. Two days before the paper is due, I'm sitting panicking. Whose fault is that? That's my fault. Good news. 
paper got turned in. So some of our overwhelm is caused by our own foolishness, but some of it is caused by the circumstances around us, job, family, relationships, parenting, being a child in a family. All of this causes stress. So let's talk about how to manage it. First thing I want to talk about is the timeline of your life and how you manage the energy that God gives you on the timeline of your life. Remember, we're all on this journey. It starts here and it starts here. And all along the path, there exists this place on the journey. If you'll flip to the next slide for me. The ne- this place on our journey called, this is a really highly technical term, now. I know. You're shocked. We're on this path, and you and I experience our entire timeline now. But for all of us, there exist these parts of our lives that are the past and the future. Now, some of us, when we manage our energy, uh, we... see if I can open this thing up. Some of us are people who love to dig up the past. And it's possible that you have tremendous amount of pain in your past. I don't want to minimize that. Please hear me not minimize that. But some of you in any given day, you wake up every day and remember, you've got, this is all you've got today. And somebody has hurt you in the past, a parent or a friend, a frenemy. Somebody has said something mean about you on Facebook. And you, you just chew on that. Sorry about that. Whoever has to clean that up. And you you take some of your energy and you pour it out. And in your mind, there are these stories rolling around about, man, if I could just, man. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and, and gives you that hand signal that all of us are unfortunately familiar with. And for like 10, 15, 20 minutes afterwards, for an hour after, he's like, That's your past. And every day when you get up, you have the opportunity to choose where you're going to put this. Remember, this is your choice. And so you get to choose where you get to put your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual energy. And some of us regularly dip into that past and we pull it back out and we chew on it. And then we use it as an excuse to sit down. That hurts so bad, there's no way I can succeed. That was so devastating that that I have the right to sit down. Right? Uh, Listen, we've all done that. But for some of us, our favorite place is the past. We like to dig that up. Now, there's uh, some of you that have totally, you have, you've, you don't live in the past. You're like a future-oriented person. Your past is gone, and every day when you wake up, you don't think about it. And so you're, of course, more spiritual than the rest of us. No, that's not true either, because your favorite place is in the future. Some of us like to pull up stuff in the future, and, and we worry about finances, and we worry about our kids, and we worry about all these things. And we take, we take now and we pour it out.
Are either of those energy well spent? No. But we all do it. Some of the reasons that you're overwhelmed, in fact, the story in Matthew chapter 25, the man who just chose to sit down, what did he say? He said, I'm afraid. And he had built this storyline in his head about how his boss was going to respond. And so he poured out his energy into that and he thought about it and he noodled on it and it made him sit down in the now because of something that had not happened yet. Some of us struggle with overwhelm emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. You just shut down because you're spending so much energy in the past or you're spending so much energy in the future. And here's what I've learned over these last months of chewing and gnawing on the story. Why did this guy not succeed? It's because he forgot that you can only steward what God gives you in the now. You can only steward what God gives you in the now. I want to encourage you if all of us struggle with this, so this is, this is not a this is not a one of us thing. If you live in the past, you live in the future. One of the ways that you're going to succeed with what God puts in your hand is that you pour everything out in the now. And that means what you think about, that means what you gnaw on, that means what you write about. That means what you post on Facebook or wherever you post stuff. You can only steward what God gives you in the now. Some of us sit down because we spend so much time in these places. We hold grudges. We chew on ways people have harmed us. We play out worst-case scenarios about life. We create stories of how people are going to respond. So let me just offer you some thoughts from God's word about how to handle your past and how to handle your future. I'm going to oversimplify this. I really am. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It's not simple. Uh, don't, don't let me minimize your pain. It is not simple to do what Scripture says with our past, and that is forgiveness. It is not easy. I am not a guy who's going to stand up and tell you, just do it. I know this is hard. You're going to wake up every day and have to make choices about your past and whether you're going to dwell in it. But Scripture tells us the right response is forgiveness. Let it go. Scripture gives us some wise insight about our future as well. Romans chapter 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. The biblical response to your future is hope. 
Now, if you don't know Jesus this morning and you're here checking this out, this is the absolute best reason to sign on with Jesus. Because not only is it awesome in the present, but it's hope for the future. Scripture tells us there are only two responses, best responses, forgiveness and hope. Now, here's what I'll say to you about that, too. Just for those of you that are people who process these things and you're about to stick up your hand and say, wait a minute, there are two other beneficial responses. Learn from your past and plan for your future. I'm a huge planner, so... uh, I'm a big fan of planning. Just don't worry. So, second thing I want to talk to you about, first is the timeline of your life. The second is the domains in the now that God gives you to pour out your energy. All right? So, next slide for me. These uh, started out as circles, and they're supposed to be circles, but the transition from Microsoft to Apple products yielded a square. So I'm just going to throw it out there. This is proof that Microsoft is better. I know I've just offended some of you. Boo. So all of us in the now have choices about where we put our energy, right? We can all agree to this. And I'm going to simplify this by drawing some circles around complex things to help you think about it. That's kind of what I do. So the first domain or circle or whatever square, whatever that is, where we can pour out energy today, now, let's forget about past and future, now is the circle of control. Now all of us have something in our lives that we have full control over and full responsibility for. However, that circle is smaller than you think it is. Who's in that circle? Yeah, okay, you guys are so sharp. I love that. You're still with me. You're awake. The only thing that lives in your domain or circle of control is you. And so the first and best place to put the stewardship of energy that God gives you in any day is in stewarding yourself, the things you think about, the way you act, what you do with your time, the way you treat people. These are all decisions that you make. Now, a lot of us skip right over this circle and go to the next one because that's where most of our life is lived. And that is the circle or domain or square of influence. There's this huge, well, maybe it's not huge, there is this group of people and circumstances and responsibilities that God has given you, and that's your circle of influence. That's this domain of people that you engage with every day. And one of your main responsibilities to steward is to take the energy God gives you and to pour it out into the lives of other people. So the third place that exists in all of our lives, and I struggled to come up with a really good name for this, and somebody came up to me after the first service and said, that's just a really lousy name for that, and... It was actually confusing when you said that. and So that's cool. I received that. But we'll call it the domain of non-controlled, uncontrolled, uncontrollable. Call it whatever you want. I don't care. 
I put the word faith on it, not because I'm talking about a domain where you're with God. I'm talking about the domain of things that are beyond your control. You have no control over a huge part of your life, and it is the place in which we must exercise faith. So I don't want you to be confused by that word. But so there's these three places in life, the place where I have total control and responsibility, some control and some responsibility is my domain of influence and circle of influence. And then there's this huge domain of uncontrollable or domain of faith where I control nothing. One of the ways many of us get into overwhelm is that we take the energy that God gives us right now and we pour it out into the wrong spot. Let me give you an example. Now, somebody might get mad at me at this, for this. That's fine. Come talk to me later. Uh, if you wake up first thing in the morning and the first thing you do is flip on the TV and start to watch the news, what is the first energy you're giving to the day? Is it domain of control, influence, or uncontrolled? Okay, you know the answer to that. There are things that you do in any given day where you choose to pour out energy on stuff that you can't do anything about. And so in any given day, I get to choose, right? I get to choose which one of these I'm going to put this in. This is, this is what God gave me for today. It's quite tasty. I just drank some of your future. So do I put some in my domain of control? How much do I put in my domain of influence in any given day? And then some days, I pour out a tremendous amount of energy on stuff that I can't control. What's happening with North Korea? What's happening in our country? What, what did Trump do? What did he tweet? What did my Facebook friends say about my latest picture? I'm not against Facebook. I'm just saying there's a ton of stuff you can't control. One of the reasons that many of us get overwhelmed with our lives, and somewhere along this path from the beginning to the end, we sit down. Like the guy in Matthew 25, we just say, this is it. This is where I'm going to stay. The reason many of us do that is because every day we're taking what God gives us and we're putting it in the wrong places. And you get to the end of a day and you don't have enough left for the important things. Thousands of years ago, as the story goes, it's a story about a man who looked into the future and he was so terrified by what was going to happen. It was totally beyond his control that instead of investing in the now, he sat down. And it changed the course of his life. So friends, where have you sat down? It might be in a relationship. It might be in your personal growth. You might want to get a new degree, get a new job, do something new, but you've said, oh, no, no, I can't. 
I mean, look at me, I'm too old to learn. And I don't, I don't know what you say to yourself. But God has you on a path, and the expectation that he has for you and I is that what he puts in our hand, we use it exceptionally for the glory of the kingdom and the benefit of the people around us. And I want to challenge you, if there's some place in your life where you've sat down, get up. Get up. Don't quit. It could be in your marriage. It could be with a child. It could be with somebody at work. Whatever it is, it's worth putting your energy into it. Why? Because God gave it to you to to do. Get up. Jesus, you are the only one that knows where we've sat down. (laughs) And we're all grateful for that. So this next, next exchange is just between you and us, and it involves nobody else in the room. So we want to ask you, if you would please, to just whisper in our heart, our ear, our whatever, someplace where we've sat down. I pray that you would help us look up to our left or our right and see your hand there and be willing to reach up and take hold of it as you whisper, get up. Go after your marriage again. Pursue your child again. Take another run at that work situation that's so hard and you've quit and you're just, you're just there. You're not doing good work. Whatever it is, we ask that you'd help us to get up because you are the Lord of our journey and we want to do this well. I know it's hard. You know it's hard. We love you. Help us take the next step into what you have. And all God's people said, amen.